This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Oh, 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 it's Mac and Bo on your radio, baby. You guys are the most entertaining sports program in the world. My <laughs> cahoots are over here, and your cahoots are over there. Okay, I'll leave yours alone. Are you punching yourself over there right now? You're I'm pumped up. Have they even ever made mistakes? You make one every day. My soccer daddy right there. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for calling me daddy. Yeah, Mac and Bo, get him, baby. I wouldn't have thought I would go 58, but I just think as the as the game went on and just kind of how things went, I mean, especially when you get into the end of the game, I mean, obviously you're going to be throwing the ball almost every down, um, trying to call your way back in, in it. And so, um, I mean, I think that that kind of um, inflates the number there too. But um, we, we, we have to find a way to be balanced. We've got to find a way to run the ball better than, than we did, and uh, we didn't run it good enough today. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ Mac and Bone with you. Andy Dalton talking about the fact that he could use a little help from the running game. As good as he is, and he did hit six passes that traveled 20 yards or more through the air, five more than Bryce did the first two games in terms of downfield passing. But there's no running game, man. And this is a team that cannot. This is this not the Chiefs. It's not the greatest show on turf. This is a team that wants to run it. We need to run it more than we pass it. And yesterday, 62 design passes, called passes, 13 called runs, design run plays. And I know that we were behind. 10 from the backs. 10 and once Chenault. Only 10 from the back. I know we were behind after a while, but we did cut it to a two-point game there. You know what I mean? Uh, Midway through the second half. It's just, and we can't run. I get why they're doing it. It's like running into a brick wall the last two weeks. Uh, Bone Man, we've got to have the conversation, Bone, about Andy Dalton and Bryce Young. We have to have the conversation. Andy Dalton did a fair amount of things that Bryce Young has been struggling uh, at. So what? how do you feel after watching Andy Dalton do a better job than Bryce? Like, how did that make you feel, Bone? I think that one of the takeaways is that some things just take time. Andy Dalton made plays yesterday that he would not be making Mac in his second career game, would he? Or third career game. Andy Dalton stayed in the pocket. He knew where the ball was. He played like a veteran that has been through the football wars for a long time. And that's just something that Bryce can't be like, oh, that's I'll pick that up. It's a worn thing over time. The ability to hang in the pocket, to trust your wideouts. And I think that's one thing yesterday was. Bryce has really gone through his reads a lot. He ends up on that second, third, fourth. Andy Dalton trusted that first read yesterday and made the throws, as you said when the show began, quickly. He made that decision quickly. He didn't let the play. Sometimes I think Bryce might be going through the read so much that that first one's going away quick and the timing's off. But a lot of yesterday I thought was something that's learned over time, and that's why Bryce has to play. Some of what Dalton did yesterday – Bryce will have to learn by playing the game for a while and picking those things up. It, listen, I can't sit here and tell you, as somebody who thinks Bryce is going to be the franchise guy still, and it feels like that's an unpopular opinion because I'm seeing what y'all are saying on the text line. Um, I can't sit here and tell you Andy Dalton what was not you know, uh, a good bit better. Um, I, I did not think Andy Dalton would be able to throw for 361. Now, he only averaged 6.2 yards a pass. 
because he just threw so many damn times. But his ability to, that's one thing I did notice is I felt like he got it out. First read's there, let me get it out. I remember a play that Bryce had against the Saints. It was third and like two. And Thielen ran from the slot just a really quick out, and he was open. And it's like, that ball should come out. It should be to Thielen, he, and he should turn it upfield, get five yards, and, and we, we get a new set of downs. He didn't do it. He, he tried to throw it somewhere else, and it didn't work out. I feel like Andy Dalton got those pay. How many times did he get that ball out quick to Miles Sanders, you know, out there in the flat? And I feel like he did that better. I also like the way Andy Dalton felt pressure because he was under it. Yep. You know, he was under it. The O-line uh, had some issues, obviously, especially once you know the team's passing every down, it makes it really hard on the O-line, in fairness. But I thought Andy Dalton did an amazing job, too, of let me just get away here, buy some time, boom, let me get it out. Um, hell, he did it on the first drive. That play where he got ramsacked, right oh. hit right in the face. Also, what a uh, lame cheap hit that was. Also, um, a pretty pretty vicious hit there, wasn't it? It was cheap. I, I mean, mean, it was just head right to the face mask, college, man. Seriously, college, launching yourself. College football, that dude's out of the game, right? It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It really was. And uh, But he made the play, and he made plays over and over again. What the stat they had at halftime, coming back for halftime on the TV broadcast, 7 of 10 for 112 and a touchdown under pressure. So he handled the pressure well. Bryce, and the pressure was coming all angles too. It wasn't it just was. like it wasn't just like Icky was getting beat. It was coming up the middle from Moten's side. It was all over the place. Bryce in college would do that all the time. He would drive the defenders crazy because they would rush him, and the fun was just starting. And he would college was so poised under pressure, I couldn't believe the way he would make plays and look downfield. And it feels like he's been off a little bit at trying to do that. Uh, you notice a couple of times where he got ran down by Saints defense, almost like the speed. I think the speed is, is got Bryce. That's why he needs to play, and he needs to play a lot. And when we suck, we, we can suck with or without Bryce. I, I feel like that was proven yesterday. yesterday. We're going to find ways to lose. Um, even if Andy Dalton comes in and plays a lot better in the passing game, other things ain't going to work. But he's got to play and learn. I also thought another thing, too, Bone, is, is the obvious, the intermediate passing and the deep ball passing. Andy Dalton hit six passes of 20 or more and ten passes between, or six passes between 10 and 19 yards. So that's 12 passes, air yards, that travel 10 or more yards. Bryce Young had six in the first two games combined. Yeah. Bryce has not been seeing that stuff downfield at those levels, the second and third level. So uh, Andy Dalton did a ton that Bryce didn't do. But it's not stuff that I don't think Bryce can do over time, though, you know? Um, Charles Davis, Max, said what we were talking about last week. Guys were also coming open at, at the wideout spot, breaking off their routes a little bit yesterday as well, which we've Charles Davis pointed out, hey, guys are getting open. It may not be their main route, but guys feeling yesterday was doing it a lot where – they started to break off some routes yesterday and find ways to get open that they didn't do as much in the first couple of games. Yeah. It's so guys were finding ways to get open yesterday in the first couple of games that did not happen. Wait, as much. And he kept pointing out, and this texture saying the same thing, that we got the big plays when it was a play that broke down. And that's what Charles Davis kept saying. He said the receivers aren't really getting separation on the designed route. Where they're getting separation is when Andy Dalton's buying time, the play broke down. And, 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 and I just... I don't know if those guys weren't doing that for Bryce. I would think maybe Bryce under the pressure was missing uh, some guys. Scramble drill type stuff. Yes, yes. You know, also the chart play, we got to, we have to mention that's a coverage bust. Like that's one, like I was begging for that to happen while Bryce was out there. Yeah. Like just have a coverage bust and get me chart wide open for a 47 yarder. And, and so that happened too. How about the chart play down the sidelines that Seattle challenged and it, it was obvious he got it, but then chart Mac misses the very next play. 
uh, easier play right over the. It sums up everything, doesn't it? Chark down the sidelines makes a ridiculous catch. He gets another chance right over the middle, and the ball right off his hands. How do you make the one down the sideline, but the one over the middle? I've seen right that from his- so many guys in, hit, in hit, watching football over the years. Yeah, they make the hard one and then miss the easy one. Um, it's crazy. Brandon LaFell used to do that all the time. Would drive me crazy. Make some crazy contested catch in the air downfield, and then would just drop a slant like that. Yeah. Uh, the drops didn't. And that's, here's the craziest thing about Dalton. This texter says the supporting cast played better for Dalton and Bryce. Y'all know I'm a Bryce honk, but I got to tell you, the supporting cast, like, yeah, Thielen played amazing. Chark made plays downfield. That was a huge difference. But we can go on and on, Bone, for guys that were letting Andy Dalton down. That was far from the only drop. I can't, When I watched it back last night, I counted five or six drops, yeah. at least. Um, the offensive line, the false starts. How many times did it, did Andy Dalton find out, yeah, we got to back up five yards? 34 times. They were just marching back. And seriously, they were going backwards more than Michael Jackson in the moonwalk era. <laughs> I mean, just back them up. The running game. Quarterback's best friend is the running game. The running game was crap and non-existent. So, to Andy Dalton's credit, he overcame a lot of stuff, man. He really did. Icky had to back up so many times, Mac. He almost ended up at that fish market where they catch the fish. That's how many steps backwards Icky was going yesterday. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, pipe, I see what you did there. Pipe. I was on a delay. My bad. I was no, on a delay. This is like the old TBS thing. Max, five minutes off. So hold on. Hold on. I was, I was Pike's Place, right? That's what it's called? Pike's Place? The, yeah. The, yeah. Know, they... I was reading Bryce's uh, Bryce Haters, and I was trying to listen to you at the same time. So it took me a while to realize, funny joke. Yeah. Give that some attention, and you could circle Sorry. back to Bryce Haters. Flounder was laughing uh, on the inside. Flounder, can we also isolate Max saying he's a Bryce honk? Because anytime Mac uses the word honk, I'm laughing. All right, Bryce. That is that has been uh, that has been put thank on a you. list. Uh, uh, hey, and I and I will you know, get me the t-shirt. I'll wear it. All right. Um, uh, the, Rick Smith stand says, "Good Lord, I hope Bryce appreciates how deep y'all are going to bat for him, excusing away his flaws." Um, I'm telling you all the things that Dalton did better, but 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 these things are things Bryce can do. Like Bryce can buy time from the pressure until guys scramble, drill their way open. Um, Bryce can get the ball out quick. These are things we expected him to do. So I think with more training, on-the-job training, I think he can do it. And I would just ask this, like this guy says, you guys are wasting your time standing up for Bryce. He's a bust. I really need to know on the text line, I really need to know this. Are you guys guys that liked Bryce in the draft and liked the pick and you guys liked Bryce in the preseason training camp and you bailed on him two weeks in? Because I would feel like a complete fool with no conviction if I bailed on the guy that I wanted them to pick two weeks in. Like, that is literal, that is some lame stuff. Now, my sense is that most of y'all probably wanted somebody else, and you want to jump to the part where you say you're right. And um, that's what I think's going on. Guys that wanted Stroud, guys that didn't want to pick Bryce, guys that wanted to wait to the next draft. You guys can't wait to say you're right. Because there's something about saying you're right. I guess it's because most of us, a lot, most, uh, a lot of people are married, and we don't get to say we're right at home in a marriage. So you guys can't wait to get in here and tell the world and Mac and Bone that you were right and we were wrong. But like, what all your, all of you that are going in on Bryce, he's done. It's over. Mac and Bone need to stop defending him. It's, it's, it's they're bending over backwards to do it. Did you guys want Bryce, and you're, and you've changed your mind in two games, or? Did you just not want them? See, I think you're giving these people too much credit, to be honest with you. I think these are you, people that wanted Bryce, and they are that's, that's, cowards. That they is, will not admit it. No, I think part of this is, I think it's the anti-Bryce crowd. And the problem that I have here is this. Are you Panther fans? So Bryce is your quarterback, but yeah, I feel like there's 
a segment of Panther population that despite rooting for the team would rather tell someone that they were wrong about a quarterback or a player. I feel like there are some Panther fans that we deal with here. They, they claim to be Panther fans that are almost anti the starting quarterback because they want to prove something about being there right. There could be some of that. And I that's, also, that's just, that's just ass. I also think in fair, in fairness to, to, to some fans, I think Panther fans are at a point where they now believe nothing will work. And I believe they have six years of data. Like, I just think, Bone, that they think that this organization may never be good again. Like, everything they do turns to doo-doo. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to tell Panther fans they shouldn't feel that way because there's a lot of evidence. Salesman is one of the most diehard Panther fans out there, right? You would agree with that? 100%. He said that his, he's going to miss the game because he's away on business, the Minnesota game. It's only the only third home game he's ever missed since the inception of the franchise. And he says, I'm glad. Oof. Like, it's just not fun, Bone. So I think people that are miserable and have seen all these maneuvers not work, I think fans are, some fans are just like, why would Bryce turn out good? Nothing else is. Everything they do is a fail. So I think there's a lot of that going on to where the Panthers are getting no benefit of the doubt from anybody. And I understand that, man. I do understand. That. And this is your daily reminder because it's come up now at least eight to ten times today. I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to rip my eyeballs out and just throw them out the, out the window <laughs> over here. We are not – the Panthers franchise is not tanking for Caleb Williams or Drake May or Michael Penix or Marvin Harrison Jr., or anyone that you watch to have great Saturdays. The Panthers do not have a first-round pick to tank for. How many times, Matt, do we have to say that? Caleb Williams and Drake May come up every day. And I have to ask, how are they getting those guys? Every day. They don't have a first-rounder. No. Right? Move on from the you, tank for May and Williams. Stuff. And if, you not, don't, if you don't realize that, well, you should be more depressed. Bone just gave you some information that will make you more depressed. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. All right, we left you with a question. You got to decide what we talk about in this segment. Do we want to have a David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, or Frank Wright conversation? We got a few Franks. But really, it was a two-man race between David Tepper and Scott Fitterer, which I expected. You expected it too, right, Fitty? Yeah, and I mean, look, to be frank, nobody wants to talk about the head coach. That's true. We can be frank about it, and I see what you did there. <laughs> if we missed it, it's because you went for the drums the second straight time. <laughs> but it really, it was a two-man race. And even so, between those two guys, Fitterer wins out here, Wes. Scott Fitterer, he is the most mentioned name on the text line with who people really want to share blame about or just hear thoughts about Scott Fitterer. And we were all interested if this season goes south, which 0-3 with the way that the offense has looked with the number one overall pick. I'm not surprised at all that Scott Fitterer is the guy that people wanted to talk about first and foremost. The New Jersey Devil mascot is definitely in the elevator looking at us in the face pointing down. Scott Fitterer is waiting 
to go out of Bank of America Stadium. <laughs> He's waiting for the elevator. It's a, it opens up. The devil is there. Scott says, where are you going? He points down, yeah. and Scott might just be boarding with him. <laughs> David Tepper might be pushing him on that elevator in order for him to go down with that New Jersey devil. Yeah, this is the reason, Wes, because you look at the draft history of this team, and we mentioned this stat even before the season started. I forget who it was, so I apologize. I believe it might be Ari Myrov. I'm not sure. But when it comes to players, what teams are responsible for those players start in the NFL, whether it be being drafted or undrafted free agency or whatever, the Cowboys were number one. It shows just how good they are at talent evaluation. Maybe not this weekend on full display, losing to the Cardinals. But, Easy. <laughs> but, the, but the Cowboys were number one on that list. And the Panthers, by like 10 players, were the worst. Second place was you know 10 players above them. And you start to look at Scott Fitter and the draft history with him and Matt Rule, who had 51% control over the personnel when both of these guys were in the organization. But Scott Fitterer, he comes aboard one more year after Matt Rule, has one draft so far without Matt Rule, and it doesn't look good with the rookie class right now. We're three games in. I am not one that is going to feel comfortable saying, yep, he completely blew it. He completely blew it with this draft class. But there are signs that are very good through three weeks. You look at the quarterback position. C.J. Stroud is throwing for a lot of yards. Yes, he is. He picked up a big old win. He picked up a big old win against Jacksonville. And and this isn't one of those things, Wes, where Houston is trying to hide their quarterback. He threw for a lot of yards, and they beat a really good football team in Jacksonville. At least what we expect to be a good football team. We can even go with Houston again if you want to. I know you're going to be pounding your chest. <laughs> Tank Dell looks good. Nathaniel. That's what I started calling him. When I see him make plays, I oh, just yell out Nathaniel. No, you got to call Why are you making his cool nickname into a boring name? Like because. We, it's Tank. Tank is a sick nickname. That's one of the things you do on, on, on the team, man. You remember one of my favorite clips is when, um, may not be the greatest example of guys using somebody's full name, but when Ray Rice broke that run and Ray Lewis was just on the sideline yelling out, Ray! Raymond, Ray Lewis is. <laughs> always crack me up. So that's why I start calling him Nathaniel when he's making plays out there. With Nathaniel, Tank, yeah. whoever it is, he went for a touchdown and over 145 yards as a deep threat and somebody that can just be involved in a lot of different phases of the passing game. No doubt about it. Jonathan Mingo, he got hurt yesterday. There were some times actually where Mingo was starting to show something. Mm-hmm. And I actually, he was getting involved, gets hurt, exits the game. There was a play where Dalton missed him because there was pressure in his face. It seemed like maybe Mingo would get involved a little more, but clearly not as much as Tank Dell. Lots of DJ Johnson techs coming in right now. Mm-hmm. Healthy scratch. Guy that's considered raw despite being 25 years old. Chandler Savala. <laughs> One of the topics on Wes's topic tree is <laughs> it might be time to say that Chandler Savala is a bust already. <laughs> yeah, you man. You missed on Savala. So, look, we can have the part of it. I heard Mac and Bone mention this earlier. The saving grace for Scott Fitter was that Matt Rule had final say, which matters. 
if there is a debate on who you want to select at that spot, Matt Rule gets to make that decision. And I think that matters. That's always been the saving grace for anybody that wants to defend Scott Fitterer. But it does not mean that he's completely scot-free. You better hit those drums after you hit the drums all for your job. <laughs> it does not mean that he gets off scot-free here because he's still involved in the scouting process. And now you have this draft alone. Yeah, it's three games in. It doesn't mean that all of these guys' careers are written. But it does not look good through these three games for these guys. Man, how much is he going to be the dude to fall on the sword if this things go if this thing goes so poorly to the point where we're midway in the season, they have one win, and you don't have another first-round pick on the other side? We know the name of the game, man. The NFL, when results aren't in, heads are going to roll. And so you look at this draft class, it's hard enough to hit on a draft class where you have seven picks because more than likely – if you're good at what you're doing, you're going to get two starters and maybe two guys that contribute, and that's on the high end of things. But when you only get five picks to find guys to help your football team, that makes it even more pressure-packed. Then when you talk about multiple quarterbacks sitting there, now you've got a quarterback that's got uh, – he's in the top three for most passing yards in the first three games of a career ever, and they went and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. That makes things look even more uh, wild to a lot of fans. And so I think that it's just going to take Bryce Young getting healthy and showing the competency that he is a guy that belongs in this league that's going to be a dominant player. Mingo, jury's out on him him. Uh, DJ Johnson right now, a lot of fans are disappointed with him. Knew it was a risk when you picked him. Zavala not looking great. Jamie Robinson, we have not even heard of uh, as of yet in a regular season contest. So I think a lot of fans are going to be looking at that. They're going to look at the depth because depth is, is something that's hard to get in the NFL. It's it is. It's impossible. I mean, it's in college, man. You can't just keep recruiting the best players and have great players. You guys know that. You're smart enough to know that. So it is very difficult, but the best franchises, the most competent ones are the ones that can find those value picks on a consistent basis and that's something that Carolina has kind of had trouble with throughout their history. I'm interested in what y'all think has been worse though. Has it been the quote unquote maybe misses in the draft or how much draft capital this guy's given up? I mean, you traded away a third-round pick for C.J. Henderson. You traded away, I think it was a sixth-round pick for Stephon Gilmore, a guy you didn't resign. Then on the flip side, look at some of the personnel decisions. You decided to pay Dante Jackson, who in the best-case scenario is your third corner, over a guy like Hassan Reddick. My take about him having his best season, it's not going very well. <laughs> my, my man, I swear to God, man. We've all got some misses well, under our belt. Well, man. look, Dante, what, what gets me frustrated about Dante constantly, I don't want this to be a Dante conversation. Just yeah. let me to vent shall we okay. just let me vent for a second man the guy just can't stay disciplined to save his life he just can't i mean on the kenneth walker route he just gets caught eyeing the backfield kenneth walker blows right by him the dude has enough speed to keep up with anybody in the game but he's so undisciplined oh backfield oh there goes kenneth walker dk metcalf he gets pushed like a rag doll because that's an awful matchup i dk against dante Never in my life do I ever want to see that again. <laughs> Gets pushed off, but then he makes a bad read. Even when he catches up to DK, he takes a bad angle towards the line of scrimmage, Wes. In the first half, there was that completion. Anyway, you're right. Go on, Fiddy. I just, the Dante investment, Matt Rule loved himself some Dante Jackson. Let's not forget that. Because he tried to play hurt. I know. It drove me crazy. But you're right to bring it up, Fiddy. You are. Yeah, and I, and I I told this to Willie last night on the Panthers post game. What might be the most damning thing Scott Fitterer didn't do was he didn't trade Brian Burns. Because look at all the capital that you were going to get back for a guy that's not even all pro at his position. You're talking about two first-round picks and a second-round pick. And I don't think at the time when they fired Matt Rule, they thought they'd be ninth in the pecking order. 
But even if you would have made that trade, you would have been in a position to still trade up and get Bryce Young, who we still think is going to be a franchise quarterback, but still have first-round capital to get him a, a weapon that, he, that, that you didn't draft. Like Jonathan Mingo, there's a reason he was the 39th pick, right? And so I, I think that's going to be one thing where if he makes that deal and you still make the deal for Young, he could have gotten a much more explosive weapon to pair with him. And maybe Bryce doesn't look as underwhelming as he did in his first two starts. Well, and what's interesting, too, is, Wes, I think there was somewhat of a cushion that Scott Fitterer had built for himself last offseason because – it's not like he had a fantastic draft, but Icky in the first round looked like there were some signs to point to and say he's going to be a franchise left tackle after his rookie season. Nobody was questioning it. Now they are. But last year, there wasn't too many people questioning Icky as a franchise left tackle. Every other pick, yeah, lots of questions. Matt Corral, not the right guy. Brandon Smith, Amari Barno, Cade Mays. Kalen Barnes, okay? You missed on pretty much every single one of those guys. We'll see about Barno. You get the picture. But especially after drafting Icky, what else does he do? That was the year that he signed Austin Corbett and Bradley Bozeman and the offensive line together with three new pieces, by the way. With Icky, Corbett, and Bozeman, the offensive line played well, especially in the second half of the season. I felt like there was a li- trading Robbie Anderson, even if he had a touchdown. Okay, everybody got a touchdown against Denver this weekend. But Robbie Anderson, you let him go. You get something from him. It's not that big of a deal. Last offseason, there was a little bit of a cushion. This year, things are starting to go south for the personnel. Well, I was going to say, too, another quick aside, and I thought Fiddy brought some great points to the table when he brought up the whole draft capital thing. Didn't quite agree with the Trey Brian Burns deal, but a lot of people could look at that in different ways. But, too, man, some of the optics of Carolina's drafting prowess don't look good now when you think about it, the fact of how involved they said Tepper's wife was with the process with the quarterback. <laughs> Then you talk about when they ask outsource Steve Smith to ask him about which receiver they should take. When they asked, uh, wasn't it uh, one of their wives that they were talking about with Chuba Hubbard? It's Fitty's favorite. It might be Fitty's favorite. Yeah, oh, Matt Rule's wife. Yeah. Mrs. Rule loved her. Yeah, Chuba so, Hubbard. Yeah, right. so it's like, and Chuba's been a good player, no knock to those guys, but the optics of it looks a little crazy too when you're not having success because people are like, oh, you guys are outsourcing draft picks and calling and asking this person and asking that person. You should be able to rely on your scouts and your room for what you have. It, it feels like everything comes crashing down when you're not winning football games. Depth isn't there. Uh, a lot of impact players as far as just young guys on the roster want to be able to put J.C. Horn in that conversation, but injuries have taken him out of that. Icky looks like he's definitely on the fence right now. Bryce Young, jury's still out. So as far as just young difference makers that are homegrown on this roster right now, you don't see a ton of them, and that does reflect bad on the front office. Fiddy brought up a couple of the trades that they did make getting rid of some of the draft capital that they had. The first draft they ever had, they were moving all up and down the board to collect more bites at the apple, which as a philosophy, as a process, I agree with wholeheartedly. If you're hitting on them. If you're hitting on them, for sure. But you, because the draft is so imperfect, it gives you more of a margin for error when you have more bites at the apple, right? When you only have a few picks, it's really hard. If, if one misses, then that means what? Five picks, you 20% of your draft is out the window. If one misses in 2021 where you have a million picks then the percentage it goes down we know margin for error so with scott fitterer the trade for cj henderson doesn't look good you got rid of a third round pick that's a guy that should have a pretty good shot to become a starter for an nfl team you see it all the time from third round picks ultimately it's going to come down to what happens with bryce young 
and I think this is where the final straw is, Wes. It's Bryce Young not looking good in the first two games. And you did give up DJ Moore, which a lot of people don't even like. <laughs> I mean, so many people, at, at least the text line, at least Twitter timeline, a lot of people don't even love DJ Moore like that. But matter of fact is, you gave up your number one wide receiver, and you gave up a first-round pick next year to go up and get the quarterback and move up eight spots. When you do that, you're all in at that point. Clock started. And when you trade for a QB and you give up as much as you did, and that QB doesn't hit, people are going to ask questions, and so much not even ask questions, as demand your firing. This is Bryce Young doesn't look great the first two weeks, but it's the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then Andy Dalton comes in against a worse defense and plays better. Part of this we can look at logically. We were prepared for this very scenario, but it's still here, Wes. And Scott Fitter is being questioned a lot as the fan base. They want to talk about him more than anybody else. With David Tepper as a close second, Frank Reich being mentioned, but it's those two guys. Scott Fitter is the next one up if you want to do the blame game. Yes, and so also what hurts is some of those comments you make come back to get you. Not that you're saying things to try to you know bark at other people, but when you come out and say, we want to be number one so we can be in control of the draft, mm -hmm. three quarterbacks sitting there, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination they took the wrong one. But in the event that you did, then people are really going to look at your scouting prowess and be like, okay, maybe we get why you took them, but were you really doing everything you could have done when you see the other two being a little bit more successful early? I think that's hurting this process as well because a lot of people could go back and say, well, the other two rookie quarterbacks are having a tough time too. But C.J. Stroud goes and gets a win yesterday, 20 for 30, 282 tutties, one of the top passers in the league thus far. And that was the main guy that you were deciding between. And you, to this well, point, whether it's fair or not, it looks like you guess wrong to a person who is the uninitiated. And so that's going to exacerbate things even more. Well, what... The thing is, it didn't even seem like it was between CJ and Bryce. It seemed like it was Anthony Richardson and Bryce. Mm. So if they draft Anthony Richardson, the guy gets concussed, going to have some angry texters, angry people writing into the show, and just angry fans because angry birds. first overall, yeah, <laughs> you have a bunch <laughs> of angry birds out there. <laughs> but you have a lot of Panthers fans that aren't happy with the number one overall. Great. You know, we dealt with this with Cam Newton, the athletic freak. I mean, I could see that conversation happening right now. But what would allow Scott Fitterer to have a little bit of a cushion on this landing is that, hey, he looked good through the first when, when he was playing. Richardson showed you a lot of what you could bet on for him to be a good QB. C.J. Stroud, there was some of that conversation at the very beginning of the process, but that went away after the first month or so, right? It was all about Frank Reich coaching big quarterbacks, never dealt with a small dual threat QB really like that. So it doesn't fit the MO of Bryce Young, but eventually they settled on Bryce and the other two QBs. It's a little bit of a different situation because Wes Bryce Young, he's not the only QB that was drafted in the first five picks that sat this week and had a backup come in and win the game. That happened with the Colts too. Our boy drew got to see Gardner Minshew drew the Gen Z giant. The and they actually had a d discussion about that this morning on ESPN Radio, too, and I thought about Drew. So Gardner Minshew comes in, <laughs> pulls a full Dan Orlovsky stepping out of the back of the end zone, still manages to win the game, but we're not really having that conversation with the Colts because it's all about how they looked with Richardson at QB. 
We're having that here in Carolina because of the way they looked with Bryce Young at QB. And that's the difference between the two franchises, despite being in very similar positions over uh, over what we saw this weekend. Yeah, and so there's so many different factors that are playing into this. And uh, the fans right now, you look at it, and so Spence says, Wes, this station trashed C.J. Stroud because he didn't do well on a stupid test in the combine. I told y'all then, and I repeat, use your eyeballs eyeballs to see that someone is great. Okay, well, that's a little bit of semantics. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but um, Dalton yesterday just coming in and, 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 and playing well, but again, like I said, you just you can't count on that. You can't think that that's something that's going to be the norm, and so uh, when they play against teams in, in better defenses, and I think they have a, even though the Vikings are 0-3, but they, they have a formidable opponent as far as offensively, but a lot of people are getting down, too, on some of the other picks as well, DJ Johnson, but then I saw another text there. Fans are starting to lose some patience with Mingo as well. Oh, the patience is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Reich, gone. Bryce Young, no thank you. Jonathan Mingo, bye. Uh, Chandler Zavala, I got a co-host that's ready to be done with Chandler Zavala. Like, I'm with you. The, the patience is gone with everybody that might have only played three games or if you've coached quite a bit. And you hate to see it. It just depends on how does it look. And yesterday, I think that fans are still upset, but you scored more points. You had some offense, so I guess the fans took a little bit from that. But, you know, it's just how does it look? And, and with Mingo and Zavala and those guys, it's not looking like how it should look. Like, we get that you're going to struggle, but it's not looking like a struggle with flashes that, okay, this guy's going to be okay. It looks like struggles. Like, damn, like, should they have done this? Mm -hmm. Zach from Kannapolis, he nails it. The pain is real. It's absolutely <laughs> real for Panthers fans right now. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Over 15,000 total yards. Oh! Steve Smith is going to go all the way. 16 NFL seasons. If you see this face, that means Five Pro Bowls and countless memories. When a dog gets an x-ray, they've got that Steve Smith inside their ribcage. Steve Smith is on WFNZ. Ice up, son. He's back to health. Get us through it. Sort it out. Make sense of it all. The 0-3 Panthers limping out of Seattle yesterday. Steve Smith Sr., Carolina Panthers legend, NFL Network analyst, is back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can and should, by the way, follow him on social media at SteveSmith89. And again, it's good to have him back. Uh, Steve, you told us before the season that uh, the month of September would bring with it growing pains. Is this what you envisioned or is this a bit worse? How do you see this? No, I don't think it's a bit worse. Uh, you know, you're only three. Uh, you know, you're not only 15. You're not one in 14, one in 17. You know, only three. There's some teachable things on there. Um, there's some optimism. And, uh, you know, whichever way you're looking at it, is it half empty or half full? Am I half hungry or half, you know, don't really have appetite. I drank too fast. You know, I, I don't know. Whichever way you are leaning that makes you feel better about yourself, then you just got to go with that, man. 
you know what? I'm inclined to be a bit optimistic today, as much as I can be anyway, though there are a lot of people that uh, do not feel that way about this football team right now. But let's start with things that you did like from yesterday's game. Let's, let's do that first. What what gave you joy? What made you happy? What impressed you? What looked good yesterday? You know, the defense. Uh, Coach Everett, man, he's not getting a lot of credit just because obviously there's not a lot of wins, technically no wins in that column. But this defense, we, we, we lose Shaq, Frankie Lugu, right, J.C. Horn. Uh, you know, different guys coming in and out. And yet they're still making teams finish out the play. There's no easy plays, a lot of duress. Derek Brown is playing well. You know, uh, Burns, I, I would say this about Burns. Burns is a dynamic football player. And, yes, this is a guy we need to move forward with or at least evaluate and say this is a guy who's there. But I also have to say this, in my humble opinion, when you look at edge rushers, tone setters, and $200 million quarterbacks, I mean uh, uh, quarterback pursuers, Mm -hmm. they impact the game every play. Double team, single team, whatever it is. T.J. Watt, Nick Bosa, uh, Addis Prime, Khalil Mack, Von Miller. There are players, right, when you talk about in this upper echelon, that you must account for them every single play in the run and in the pass. I'm not saying that Brian Burns does not deserve a contract. I'm just saying... When you ask him for the whole kidney caboodle, mm-hmm. that means you got to play every kidney caboodle play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I'm picking up what, we're, what you're putting down. I think we all are. There's not enough. There wasn't enough of an impact there yesterday. Uh, we got Steve Smith Sr. with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. These injuries, since you brought them up, um, what – contextualize that for me because you'll you'll point them out i'll point them out and others will say yeah but every team's hurt right now look at seattle yesterday are are carolinas worse than other teams how would you frame that i mean each team each team's injury impacts them differently right you can look at the cleveland browns and look at nick chubb and they go out there is it their opponent but they go out there and deshaun watson have has his best game so far and it all depends on what's going on. You're not going to get the same outcome just because you line up against the same team, right? I, I talked on my podcast about the New Orleans Saints, and people talking about, man, they were elite. Steve's just hating. He don't want to give us our credit. Then you go out there, and a whole bunch of 20-year-old, I think the oldest was 23. Oldest 20, the oldest receivers out there, 23. And Jordan Love was dropping dimes, and y'all was getting routed up. I mean, it was a choo-choo train, bro. Mm -hmm. Right? So, just to let you know, each week can be different. Now the Carolina Panthers have to play the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings, I'm already watching the film. Minnesota Vikings will give you the, the mule and the acreage off the line of scrimmage. They're like 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Just looking at it, observing it, they blitz. They're natural. They normally blitz. I think it's twenty percent, twenty six percent of the time, out of split safety look, 
80% zone coverage. They blitzed Justin Herbert out of his 50 attempts, 82%. Wow. That just goes to show you, and the game plans vary, and you have to vary the game plan. And also, when they do something that doesn't make sense, guess what you got to do? You got to adjust. Wow. 82%. That's that's insane. Now, to, to that point, and I've raised this a couple of times. Again, injuries happen, next man up, all that. But as you watch the offensive line without the two starting guards, how much worse are they, and how much does that impact what they try to do offensively? Man, it's not about worse. Yeah. It's about this is who you have next man up, so you got to figure it out, right? You got to you, you you have to you you drafted these guys and kept them on the team for a reason. There are no there there are no Jonathan Ogdens sitting on the Carolina Panthers team sitting on the bench talking about man, I'm just waiting for my time, coach. Right? There there is not there, there's not a guy there. So what you have to do is you got to coach them up and figure it out and, and, and adjust the game plan. But here's the thing. You can't have three or four uh, offside penalties and think you're going to ha- have a productive series if you keep jumping offside and taking yourself backwards. What have you made uh, last week? The word rebuild popped up suddenly going into week three, um, you know, in a press conference. It, who, said, who said rebuild? I think Frank Reich was one who mentioned the word last week. Smoke, correct me if I'm wrong about that. But it, it was a big part of the conversation last week. I know it was mentioned in at least one, if not two, press conferences. And, and I don't want to make too big a deal out of it, but we have seen the messaging kind of pivot in season over the years with certain teams when things start to go wrong. If someone presented you with the argument that, oh, well, you know, they're, they're rebuilding, so this isn't that big a deal. How would you respond to that? I mean, so first of all, are the Carolina Panthers rebuilding? Let's see. They use a first round draft pick on what? A quarterback. Okay, the year before that they use a first round draft pick on a what? Left tackle. Before that they use it on a D tackle. Mm-hmm. Then they use it on a safety. Well the first year they use it on the whole defense. Didn't I don't think they drafted one offensive guy. Right. Yes, they're rebuilding. But then they're rebuilding off of someone else's Construction, so you got to take some of the some of the stuff down because under Matt Rule they were a four three defense, a hybrid three four. Now under Frank Wright and uh, Coach E, they are a three four. Totally different. Offensive schemes are different. You know when I back when I played, <laughs> you had one tight end, a fullback, a running back, and two wide receivers. Man, they they're starting off three wide receiver sets. One tight end, no fullback, a halfback, and pistol formation. Everything's adjusting and changing. And they're adjusting and changing with players, right? Uh, What's his name? Uh, Number 45, Richie. Richie was a tight end that got switched to a fullback. And now he's back at tight end. Mm Mm-hmm. And people, we are people, and we are trying to figure out what. And it's every team. What does a guy do? What doesn't he do? You have to figure out. Okay, can he run this route? Yes, he can run this route. This guy can't run that route. You find that out in the game, and then oh yeah, the guy who on the other side is making twenty million dollars. 
name Lattimore or Gardner, those guys, they go, oh, man, he's pretty good, so he's going to stop us today. I mean, every week is a new game plan or a new issue to overcome. Yeah. That, yeah, no doubt about it. Now, wide receiver separation. That's a, that's a narrative I'm really curious to get your thoughts on because we know windows are smaller in the NFL. They, they decrease in size from high school to college to the pros. They're almost non-existent in the NFL. You know that better than anybody else. But I've listened to quarterback analysts, offensive analysts for two weeks now, criticize this, this wide receiver room for complete and total lack of separation quite often. Is that true in what you've seen? And you know how can they get around that? That is true. And what I've seen in some of the routes that they've gotten the opportunity to run. In some of the routes they've got, okay. Okay, so you're saying the plays are falling apart before they're they're able to see their completion, essentially. No, I I didn't say that. I'm saying in some of the routes, they're not getting separation because the route may be shallow where it's not about separation, it's about getting to a spot. Gotcha. Then there's other routes like DJ goes down the field and he gets holding. Okay. there's They ran an out and up against the Atlanta Falcons, and there was a little, a little bit of miscommunication. TMJ slowed down a little bit and kept going. But that was after how many attempts or lack their attempts of going down the field. There are reasons why things happen, and sometimes statistics can't tell you. Like, you got an incomplete pass, right? But, <clears throat> great example. You can, have a, you can have 200, 300 yards. Right, Russell Wilson had how many yards last yesterday? Statistically, he had probably two hundred yards passing. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Carolina Panthers fans, we will give anything to have two hundred yards and twenty points. Isn't that fair to say? Most of the time, yeah. Okay, until the other team scores seventy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You, you can't get caught up in the numbers. There are circumstances or reasons. They played the Seattle Seahawks. They played them pretty good till about the middle of the third quarter. We've been playing teams till about the middle of the third quarter, and it's been going well. Yeah. But the statistics are we're zero and three. So does that mean that no one's showing up? No, that's not the answer. The outcome is muddy in the waters. You can't tell what's good or bad because you're so focused on the outcome that that's your point, your perspective and point of view. Is only looking at the outcome. And so for me, I'm just looking at the game. There's some bright spots. And there's some things that we we need to work on. But you can't all of a sudden throw the baby out with the bathwater and no one can get open because the results are 0-3. You've got to be careful with that narrative. I like that last point because when things are bad, everything feels bad. feels like a tornado of bad. You can't see or make sense of much of anything. There's absolute truth to that. Uh, thank and, you. and hold on. No good. Let's be honest. Steve Smith Senior, Agent Eighty Nine, is the voice of reason. Hot biggity dog. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd see the day? No, nah, bro. But I like it though. I like. I might. I might increase my prices now. Uh oh. Uh oh. Today's price. The, today's price is not tomorrow's. <laughs> Well, you know me. I'm rooting for you. I hope you get it. Go get the bag. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, brother. Be good. Appreciate it. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports.
Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.